Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I am Paul. And I'm having a drink. I'm Ken. <laughs> Hi there. It's you in the driving seat again, Ken. So what have we got for this week? Gollywogs. <laughs> it's not specifically about Gollywogs. It's just a, an example of what I'm going to talk about. This it's, is going to be the last episode. It is. This is the career killer. It's more to do with the fact of stuff that is now viewed as... Uh, Offensive. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily have its roots in offence. So I've always had a bit of a problem with gollywogs. Well, in recent (laughs) years, you know, we're both in our mid-40s now, and we've grown up with gollywogs as as little black figures. I, growing up, did not see them as representations of black people Mm. or caricatures or anything like that. They were just, as far as I was concerned, as a kid, which is who they're aimed at. Yeah. As just little black figures. And I've found no evidence, and I can find that I have I've looked and looked, <laughs> that they were ever intended to be a figure of offence. Because Enid Blyton wrote, wrote a book, The Three Gollywogs. Right. And I deliberately went out and bought a copy, and I read this book. And it's the, the charming, charming little character. They are they're very much the, the heroes of the piece mm. all the way through. It's three or four stories, I think. And they're they're certainly not hateful characters or or anything to be despised or ridiculed. So I genuinely don't believe a lot of things are... We were talking about this recently with, I think it was a slogan for a breakfast cereal or something, Good for Mums or something. I genuinely don't think a lot of things which are now viewed as offensive were ever intended to be. No. And I think that a lot of the charm in things from history is being rubbed out and erased to the point where we're going a little bit far with some things. I mean, I, I can see the gollywog thing. I think probably because it's got the you know the last three letters of gollywog are now quite offensive. Mm. It's just not a term we use anymore. Um, so I can I can get the logic behind that particular one. I don't. I still don't agree with. It. I think they're just nice little figures myself, but. There's other things as well that are now being looked at and that's offensive, we must change that. And that's anything, there's no intent there. Figures or, or, or slogans or names, that there was no intent to wound there and there never has been. And I was just interested to, to know your, your opinion. I think a lot of, uh, this is riding on the back of this, is things like statues of figures from history. Oh, he had a link to that, you know, and we must tear this down. Yeah, but attitudes evolve and things evolve and things change. Just because something had, or someone, there was a a figure erected, yes, that was 400 years ago. They are going to have had different views than we have now. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 60% of the population smoked. Mm. I don't know anybody that's a regular smoker now, I don't think. I don't think. No. So things evolve... But you can't keep, what I'm boiling this down to is historical revision. You cannot, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with the fact that things now, everything is being historically revised to be offensive when the intent was never there and attitudes evolve. And I think I would far rather look at things as a progression of, of social attitudes than we must destroy this, eradicate it, pretend it never existed, 
These are marker points in our history that show how we've evolved as society rather than something to be erased, mm. I think. I would love to hear your views on this. Yeah, I mean, if going back to the, the Gollywog thing, I do, I do agree. I don't think anyone ever intended to make them as either figures of fun, mm. you know, mocking, mocking black people. And as you said, I, I've never heard of anyone actually saying, oh, no, no, they are offensive. I, you know, I'm deeply offended by this. Mm. But I mean, we don't necessarily sort of move in those circles, but at the same time, there are, there are things that change. So language changes. All and there are, the time. Yeah. And there are words. I'm not saying gollywog is one of those mm. words, but there are words that were used back, you know, in the 80s, 70s, yes, 60s. Yeah, and, we, yeah. you know, we talked about sitcoms. Where, mm-hmm. so those words, you would never, ever use them now. And there's going to be words that we use now that in 20, 30 years... I can't wait for yeah. that. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait for that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm going to be one of the victims, <laughs> I think, <laughs> when, we're, when we're historically revised. But yeah, I do. I, I agree that, yeah, there are certain things where if somebody says, I'm offended, and, you know, this go, like, for example, we, we talked about the, the word faggot in mm. the of New York. You know, there are certain things. If somebody is offended by something, then yes, then that's fine. But don't go back and start thinking, well, somebody might be offended by this so yeah. much. But equally, as you say, with the historical revision, it's surely better to remember some of the things, no matter how horrible they were, and show how far we've come, than just pretend it never happened. One example of this was sort of linked to the statues that you were talking about. It was on the news a few weeks ago. There's been a bit of a, a thing in Liverpool. So in Liverpool city centre, mm. quite a few of the um, street names are named after uh, historical figures, the, the people who essentially built the city. So, yeah. you know, and who put a lot of their money into building the, you know, the big old buildings around Liverpool. And, you know, obviously they were big employers in Liverpool and things like that. Now, a lot of them were slave owners mm. and slave traders. That's not great. They, you know, and now obviously they wouldn't, they wouldn't be allowed to do that. They wouldn't be publicly loved figures, but at the time they were, that's why they had a street named after them. And they also put a lot of money in. So Liverpool city council had a dilemma. So obviously someone, you know, came along and said, well, what about this street? I can't, I can't remember that, you know, there was one in particular and there, there was a campaign, no doubt it started on Twitter, <laughs> but we don't want our street names to be named after slave traders. It's horrible. And so there was a campaign to basically rename half of the streets in Liverpool city centre. And what the council did is they turned around and said, no, this is ridiculous. So what they've done is where the street name is, they put a sign up with a, a history of the person. So this street is named after John Brown. Oh, and he right. did this, you know, he built St. George's Hall he was a slave trader and, you know, a list of, of what he did. That must so, have pissed them off yeah, even more. Well, that's it. But it was acknowledging that he wasn't a perfect yeah. man, but he did a lot of good. And it lets people make up their own minds. And I think that's a lot that's healthier attitude. much better. Mm. I like that a lot. Yeah, rather than just rename it. Oh, that must have really pissed off the Twitterati that uh, <laughs> you're lauding this person. You know, and P.S. It's slaver. <laughs> but people like, you know, Henry VIII, big hairy king, one of the greatest kings in British history. <laughs> 
Yes, I did a lot for the country, but uh, didn't do a lot for his wives. No. So, <laughs> swings and roundabouts there, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that Winston Churchill. This yeah. was this was a big thing when the Black Lives Matter uh, was kicking off a couple of years ago, and Winston Churchill was a racist. When you look back at some of you know some of his speeches, some of the things that he said, I mean, he he made a lot of speeches. He wrote a lot of books. Mm. He words were his thing. He probably did say quite a few things that now would you be considered say. racist. And yeah, and, and if, Boris, <laughs> if Boris, sorry, I can't even say his name. <laughs> but if our current prime minister was to be able to spin more than three words together in a sentence and come up with something equal to Winston Churchill, if he said something like that, he would be quite rightly slated because of the language that was used and the the, the sort of message that was. Te- you know, that but it's was- not like these people. I mean, Winston Churchill. I'm sure you know if we dug hard enough, we could find something that had a, a racist bent to it. But we all have views in private that are not mm. particularly laudable. The, whatever topic it's on, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. But if you put that out in public, somebody somewhere, what do you mean you don't like Italian food? <laughs> well, are you, are you anti-Italian? No, I just don't. Racist. And it would <laughs> it would be spun into something completely hateful. Yeah, um, Ken Moss goes on anti, anti-Italian anti-Europe so I'm, I'm sure you could, but I, I mean, if Winston Churchill had stood up in, in the middle of Parliament Square or something and, and said, you know, I, I hate all those black bastards, we'll <laughs> send them back off the beaches, and possibly th- there might be an argument there that he was uh, an out-and-out, but he never said that. No. And, and he never said anything even approaching that. <laughs> he, he unified the entire country in a, a period where we were on our bloody knees. Mm. All that swept aside because uh, possibly and in, in, uh, held racist views, you know, maybe. But uh, I, I've got views which don't square with a lot of the people who voted to stay in the EU. But I am now painted as a xenophobic racist. No, it, it's nothing to do with. I think <laughs> I think the European countries are marvellous. I've travelled about Europe and I love I've loved everywhere I've been. The least friendly place in the whole of Europe is Wales. <laughs> fuck off. So it's not the European countries, it's the EU that I have, but I am still painted as the racist, Brexiteer, xenophobic, can't string two words together, they're all hateful bastards. And that's what I'm painted as for my views. It's not true, but that's what I'm painted (laughs) as. You can't divorce one statement or one point of view and tar it as being something else. No. It's just generalization. So I would love to, I would love anybody to pick me out uh, a printed, written, or published statement from Winston Churchill that said that he, he hates packies or something. And it's, it's all, I don't believe he ever used language like that. He was, like you say, he was a wordsmith. He was, he was measured. I mean, he used to stop up all night writing the briefest of, he would torture mm. himself over speeches to make sure the wording was precisely right. When the king died, George VI, he got that right on the bottom to the point where his opposition were, or even members of his own party that were trying to usurp him, they were annoyed at how good (laughs) these words were because they knew damn well that they couldn't have written them as well as he did. That's just one example. But to to go through history and pick apart, you know, such and such a person had these sort of views. Yeah, but so did every bugger else in those days. It's not... um, these were not offensive people. They didn't get where they were by being offensive. Yeah. But times change. Definitely. And I think 
when we're talking about sort of teaching history, going back to the, the Henry VIII thing that you said, we can't just pretend that Henry VIII didn't exist. <laughs> because you know because he was you know we it's like oh well you know here's the here's the line of succession of the throne oh just ignore those years <laughs> because he had such an impact and a lot of the things that he did were awful and especially within his own house you know i mean beheading your wife is possibly uh, it might cross into the lines of domestic violence i would I, say. I would think so yeah although he was writing the laws at the time so <laughs> But surely, so when we teach history, teach about Henry VIII, and this is, you know, it is happening because we know about, about this. And, you know, it, no, we're not taught that he was a, a great man. We're taught about some of the great things that he did yeah. and some of the things that he led the country through. But we're also taught that he was an absolute bastard to his, <laughs> to his wife. And that's better. You know, when, when you're talking about black history, we shouldn't be pretending that it didn't happen. We shouldn't be worried about mentioning it for fear of offending someone. What we should be doing is saying, and, and I do agree because there's quite a few black people who sort of say, well, we're just not taught black history. Mm. And that, to some extent, is probably true. We could do to be taught because we, we're not taught about any. Well, we, we were. I say we, we went to school. I don't think black people were invented when we went to school. Yeah, they, yeah very, very newfangled thing. When we, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, we we maybe learned about Martin Luther King, mm. uh, you know, in his speech. But there, there were so many. What was it, Steve Biko? Do you remember? Oh, I do. Yeah, that was uh, sociology. I yeah, remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, there, there's two. Yeah, it's at least two. <laughs> yes, yeah. so, fresh off the production line. <laughs> so teach people the truth about people and then let them make their own minds up history is this massive rich tapestry i love history it's just there to be embraced and read about you can't go along and tidy it up Mm. it's just not how history works and like you say i would far rather know all the nuances of somebody rather than paint them as this racist bastard that should be forgotten about because he had views that we don't think are very laudable in these days. We're, we're sat here drinking gin. Who knows what the alcohol laws or or <laughs> etiquette is going to be in the future? Mm. It, social etiquette has changed even in our short drinking career. It's only at, this, at the time of recording, we've only been drinking for sort of 26, 27 years. It's a short <laughs> span, really. And um, even in those times, cigarettes in pubs and nightclubs, mm. the way people drink has changed massively. I mean, now we used to go out at sort of seven, half seven, and we'd, and we'd be coming home at two, three o'clock in the morning of a weekend. That's not the convention nowadays. That's not how... No, you have pre-drinks until midnight and then go out clubbing until seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Things have changed. Things evolve all the time. So you can't go back and and sort of repackage history in this bizarre way that they are doing and forget all the bits that don't happen to be socially congruent at that time because otherwise you're just going to be rewriting history all the time. Yes. And I don't think there's anybody in in history that's been a saint. Yeah, exactly. And even the saints, <laughs> even the saints <laughs> yeah, were. They were <laughs> you've you've had a sainthood. You weren't exactly the nicest guy, were you? <laughs> so you know, let's let's learn about them. But I I do understand going back to the <laughs> the original topic of it. <laughs> I do understand why certain words and certain things. So one example that's kind of linked to the Gollywog thing, Uncle Ben's rice. Yeah. Now, 
it was called Uncle, Be- Uncle Ben's Rice, and it had a picture of a guy on the logo who I assume was Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben, <laughs> yeah. you would think. Yeah. A black fella for those who... <laughs> I don't they still make Uncle Ben's. Well, it? it's, it's now just called Ben's because Uncle Ben <clears throat> was... It had connotations of plantations and slavery. Oh, I I don't know what the what the reason was. Uncle Ben's decided that they were going to rebrand, and so now it's just called Ben's. It doesn't have a picture of a man on it. It's just Ben's rice, and th- there's loads of different examples of that. But like you say, I don't ever remember seeing anything at all. And obviously, Uncle Ben was a lovely, positive thing. It was this friendly figure on a packet of rice. I mean, I don't think we ever bought it. We always made our rice. We were too poor to buy. Oh, yeah. Goodness me. This is in the 80s. But it was, I remember, I can even hear the jingle in my head of Uncle Ben's rice. And it was all, it was a really friendly Uncle Ben. is this cheerful guy that all, I didn't see it in any way as, oh, God damn. I didn't even know that. That's. And it's really difficult because obviously we're two English white blokes Maybe, maybe there is something that we're missing, but we, it's not like we live in this little bubble, you know, of white colonialist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Uncle Ben's a, a sign when we used to, when we had the empire and we had all these, we had our slaves in the paddy fields and the rice fields. Good times, good times. <laughs> it's like we're all sat here thinking in that way. It's a mm. load of bloody rubbish. Yeah, and and that is. I guess somebody at the Uncle Ben's company would, was just like, "Oh, we better we better act quick on this before someone picks up on it," uh, you know. And that that is not reacting to something. That's just it's just being stupid. I'd happily stand corrected if anyone you know can can point out someone something that is offensive about it. As I say, it might just be that we're coming at it from the wrong thing, but I I just can't can't see it. And there's lots of examples of. Uh, taken one of the few examples in England of a brand that is recognisably black and taken away the blackness from it. Oh God, that that you see that to me is just insane. It's like The Simpsons, Apu. This yeah, there's actually quite lovable character. There's he's never been Apu was never a prick in The Simpsons. No, and yet. Well, it's voiced by a white person. We must change this after 30 years. And you think, well, you've got no one to replace him. And he's always been this avuncular character. He's always been one of the positive role models. You're the few positive characters in the show. Because <laughs> all the arseholes in the show are, are white. Oh, yellow. Oh, yellow, yes. But, <laughs> yeah. but they're, they're, uh, the thing the white equivalent, yeah. You know, Caucasian, uh, of Caucasian American mm. descent. They're, and they're all arseholes. Yeah. Right? And, He's the only, you've taken the only <laughs> ethnic character in that and turned them into, apart from Dr. Hibbert. <laughs> but again, I, I don't, Dr. Hibbert won't be voiced by a, uh, I don't know whether uh, there are any black voice artists. And so again, you've, these are positive characters mm. that you're tarnishing with this effort to be squeaky clean. Cleveland in, um, <laughs> in Family Guy, voiced by a white actor. But it's just a character. Yeah. It's it's not like there's an intent. No, and it's not like they're doing blackface. Which, no, it, I mean, it, I suppose it's the audio equipment equivalent of blackface. But then that's what you do when you're a voice actor. They, when he's a white guy doing the voice of a poo, the accent that he put on was the accent of a guy of Indian heritage. Yeah. 
Well, so, it's a stereotype, but yeah, so is so Chief Wiggum, so is Homer. Yeah. So they're all stereotypes. That's what it, makes it funny. And yeah. if it had, a, if you had a cast of black people doing white characters, the principle would be exactly the same. But I wouldn't give a shit about that either. No. It's not. It's mockery. That's mm. what you're watching a bloody cartoon for. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't sit and watch Tom and Jerry, and that's. Uh, an anvil dropped on him there. Now that is setting a very, very bad example to kids. <laughs> In the next scene, he's absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. What lesson is this? Yeah. I mean, Homer Simpson, a 40-odd-year-old man who has somehow managed to get married and have three kids who are all still alive. <laughs> the most stupid man on the planet. And yes, he's yellow in the cartoon, but he's clearly a stereotype of a middle-aged white man. How many people are complaining about that? I might complain, actually, now. I'm quite offended. <laughs> but no, it, it's just, it's silly. And uh, Bart is voiced by a girl. <gasps> Absolutely. Outrageous. That's taking away, that's taking away a job of a... A male. A, a male a, a actor, young, yeah. A, a young male yeah. actor. It could be up and coming. Boy, yeah. She has denied. Yes. It's scandalous. Cancel it. So, yes, um, I'm going to whip out the bowers and see how... <laughs> The topic really is, it's not so much gollywogs per se as just historical revision of, of characters of that ilk. Yeah. And I really don't like it. I think I'm going to give it a four. It's not a five hysteria, <laughs> but I think we're actually damaging more than we're protecting with this historical revision. You're eroding culture mm. rather than just moving on or parking that and, and it's just there. There's this active decision now to erase and tarnish and rather than just let pass into history. And this active, it is vandalism of culture in order to bring everything into line with what happens to be the current line of thinking and the current line of thinking changes all the time. <laughs> you can't behave that way with, with culture because otherwise you're going to have nothing left. So I do feel quite strongly about it. It's you're, you're eroding culture and values from decades ago, centuries ago, doing away with them or burying them under the carpet. You're actually damaging what we are and how far we've progressed rather than the horrific virtue signaling the, the good that you think it's doing. Yes, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a four from me as well. I think it's one of those subjects where people say, "Well, you, you just you just can't say that anymore. You just you you just can't use a gollywog and think." But then there's there's very little to back it up mm. um, in terms of arguments. You can't call rice Uncle Ben's anymore. It's it's racist. Why is it racist? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> because because somebody said. But one of the things um, we were talking about in, in work today, actually, um, we were talking about EastEnders, I think it was, when there, there was two gay characters back in the 80s and they had a, a kiss and it was... Was this Michael Cashman? It was Michael yeah. Cashman. Col Colin and Bar Barry, they were called. And it wasn't a, like a big, you know, snog or anything like that. He literally, I think he just sort of said, right, I'm going out to the shop now and kissed him and said goodbye. But... The articles that were in the press, and particularly in uh, the Sun and the Mail at the time, quality publication. Yeah, and but some of the language that was used in that, it, it used it, queer, puff, mm. faggots on TV, and they weren't being inflammatory. Those were just words that people used to talk about 
gay people at the time. But even the context of that, I mean, I've during in the course of this discussion, I've used the term packy and gollywog. You've just said queer, faggot, puff. You've used those words. Mm. I've used those words in context. Mm. Taken out of context, we have just used defensive. We've both used defensive yes. terms, and that's the problem. It's the context. Yeah, absolutely. And I would much rather because the point of my bringing up Colin and Barry was we were, <laughs> <laughs> we, there, were there was a point. We, we were talking about it because we were saying for for us that remember seeing that, and I I don't remember reading the Vaguely, paper about yeah. it, but. And there were people at work who do remember it. And they said they would much rather know and remember that and have people see those articles using those words so that we can now see how far we've come. Yes, um, in a short time. Yeah. So it's only 40 years. Yes, rather than just pretend it never happened. Yeah. I would rather have, if I wanted to, watch an episode of the Alf Garnet sitcom I can't remember what it was called. I, so, well, there were a couple until death has died. Yeah, cry. yeah, and some of the language he used in that com- completely unacceptable. Now, I w- I wouldn't watch it. I didn't think it was very funny at the time, but keep it as it is with that language in because if you're watching it now, be like, I can't believe people have said that. Well, I can't believe that we used to be able to smoke on aeroplanes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, times move on. <laughs> uh, so yes. Um, I think I haven't feared off, but yeah. So a four, essentially. <laughs> well, I'm going to get out of the popcorn yet again. It's time for Screening Queens. <laughs> yeah. I've got Simon Exton to thank for this one. Well, <laughs> thank in very, very loose terms. I'm going quite against the grain with this one. This is not something I want people to watch or look at because I think that it's very laudable or this will, you know, it's uh, going to enrich your life. Right. It's a sitcom from 1979. <laughs> I defy anyone to last more than 10 minutes into this thing. It'll probably be on YouTube somewhere or Daily Motion or one of those free streaming sites that we're not affiliated with, and I don't, Lord, you know, stealing is a sin, kids. Uh, but it's called Curry and Chips. <laughs> I thought this might be yeah. where you going Stars Eric Sykes and Spike Milligan, and it's the most offensive thing I've ever seen in my life. I watch a lot of archive television, and I watch things through the prism of, of its time. Mm. This is definitely of its time, but there are no redeeming qualities for this whatsoever. Right. It is the worst piece of television I've ever seen. And I have no problem with blackface, racial stereotyping, makeup in years gone by. I'm, I'm well on record by now saying that we did not have the breadth of diversity mm. in, in acting circles that we do nowadays, even 10, 20 years after the 60s. It was of its time. This is an example of everything that we would never even go anywhere near now. And an example of how culture changes and how times change. And why keeping stuff like this as cultural, in very loose air quotes, <laughs> heritage, is an example of, of how we evolve. Mm. It is, I won't brace yourselves, kids, this is awful, awful stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, the worst thing I've ever watched. Curry and chips. But um, just look it up, and I, I defy anybody to last more than 10 minutes. <laughs> I will absolutely check it out. <laughs> it's appalling. <laughs> you know how difficult I am to shock. I was shocked. 
<laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, there we go. We've got something to watch over the weekend. All <laughs> <laughs> six glorious episodes of that. Hurrah. What a shite. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a day there. Um, we've somewhat veered across. We've off, been off. as offensive as we possibly can. Yes, yes. yeah. And we wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> we'll be back next week with something equally offensive, no doubt. And if not, you'll find something to be offended about anyway. Thank you, Trezor. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.